Turn to the book of Romans with one another, please. Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter 1. It always happens to me. I turned the air down earlier on this side of the building anyway. And I said, ah, oh, it's a little chilly in here. And by the time I get up here, oh my goodness, I'm burning up. So um, if you're, uh, you know, if you are sitting up closer and you feel a little bit of a cold chill, don't worry. I'm staying cool. And uh, that's all that matters, right? No. <laughs> but uh, we, um, you know, we were, I was wondering one day why the, we were not having the air kicking on so well one Wednesday night. And come to find out, um, Somehow, one way or another, whether we, it was when we had somebody working on it or something, but one of our units got shut off. And so uh, this, this auditorium runs on three air conditioning units, two in the back and one in the front. And so one of the ones in the back was out. And uh, so I said, ah, that's the problem. So uh, we got, got that situated, praise the Lord. We're going to try to get to see how far we get together tonight, but uh, we're going to try to begin a study together with you through the book of Romans. I have uh, withheld from doing so honestly the past year I've wanted to um, as it's been a few years since I've studied through the book of Romans myself um, but um, uh, there's there's a lot in the book of Romans and so I really I say we'll study through the book I don't know how far we will get we'll just see what happens as we go along and if we have to take a break here and there we may just do that uh, but there is definitely a lot in the book of Romans if the book of Romans is not a book in your Bible that you have well marked up I hope that it will be by the time uh, we finish plugging through here one of the things I love about a book study is I mean I will just uh, I make it a goal to uh, mark as much as possible to write uh, up and down nearly all the margins of my Bible uh, so that there is there is um, some notes that I've gotten out of my study now maybe that's notes which you already have maybe there's notes that are there uh, personally as in my Bible uh, when there's notes already there I just write over it. <laughs> and uh, if you got a if you got a thick enough pen to do it um, you know the, the I find my notes are a lot more helpful quite honestly because I know what I've written down and I know what I'm talking about there and I don't have to sit and, and try to figure it out. So, But um, uh, we are in Romans uh, chapter number 1 and uh, let's begin in a word of prayer and uh, you join with me together in prayer if you would. Our Heavenly Gracious Father, we thank you uh, for your word. We pray that you'd bless us now as we seek to uh, begin the study together. I pray that you'd uh, give us understanding. May your Holy Spirit have full and complete reign. Lord, we thank you for uh, the honor and privilege it is to sing praises to you. And Lord, we thank you for your wonderful gift of salvation. Uh, Lord, bless us now, we pray and ask. And uh, give me the words to say and empower me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we look straight into the book, just want to kind of give you an uh, introduction to the book in the sense of uh, the context. Context always determines meaning and, and understanding what point in time all this is taking place. Obviously, Paul is the writer, and he's writing to the Romans. He's writing to Rome. Uh, but the uniqueness of Paul's letter in the book of Romans, as opposed to the other books which Paul has written, is Paul is writing to a group of people uh, which he really has never actually met. He's only but heard of their ministry. Uh, Paul is also writing to a ministry which he did not start. Whereas in all the other books of the Bible that we find Paul writing in, it was a ministry which he had some hand in. 
the other uniqueness, unique side of the book of Romans is that whereas in other books of the Bible of Paul's writings, we find him being quite blunt and black and white and going straight to the point of exactly the problems or the issues which he was identifying in those letters to those churches. Whereas in Romans, we really get more of a theological standpoint of Paul. And that's what so much of Romans is, is, a, uh, is where we get our theology for what we believe and practice. Uh, much of the answers for those in the Word of God are found in the book of Romans. And so hopefully as we study together, you'll gain some uh, more, more than just knowledge, which you may already have, but some Bible knowledge and Bible reasons for why we believe the things which we do and what the Bible says concerning different doctrines within his Word. And so uh, lo, uh, Paul all his life, Paul had desired to go to Rome. Of course, we know that uh, at the end, in the ending, Paul ends up in Rome, but he's a prisoner of all uh, of all times uh, to be there. Yet God's plan was for him to arrive at that point. Uh, really, before we can look at the beginning of, of Romans, just to kind of understand what Paul and when Paul is writing, turn with me to Acts chapter 19. I'm going to flip you back and forth to a couple different passages in Acts and in Romans. So keep your finger in Romans. We'll be back and forth here. Just kind of looking at um, this this brief um, uh, introduction to how we get to Paul's writing to Rome. Why is he writing to Rome? What is all this? What is all this reasoning coming about and for? Acts nineteen and verse twenty one. We find some of that um, uh, leading of God uh, to uh, Paul. Um, that leading of Paul from God to Rome. Acts nineteen verse twenty one. After these things were ended. Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And there's an emphasis. He desires to be there. I must see Rome. Acts chapter 23 and verse number 11. Acts 23 and verse 11. I'm just, again, kind of leading you to, we're seeing the desire of Paul and, and how God worked. Uh, Acts 23 and verse 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Uh, God gives that promise that he would bring Paul to Rome in his perfect time. And, uh, boy, we're reminded of the very fact that God is a timing for all things. Um, we, you know, whether as a husband and wife or maybe you as an individual have had goals in your life or a place that you want to be, just remember, God has a timing in all of those things. And uh, your desires will become God's desires, but you seek to stay in God's perfect will now, and God will make the rest of those things clear. Amen? And uh, so uh, we turn then to Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. And we find Paul, when he's speaking to the Romans, what he says to them uh, about his writing, he says, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. Well, we see first in verse 11 his longing. He, he desires to be there. He wants to see this church. Uh, clearly, he's heard of the ministry that's there. He's heard of their faith and that which is taking place, and 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 all of uh, all, and he desires to be a part of that ministry, uh, but he knows that God has him elsewhere. In verse number uh, fifteen, the Word of God says of chapter one: "So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also." He's not just wanting to be there; he's wanting to go there to preach. He desires to be there to preach. And um, uh, look at Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. He mentions this gift as we read in verse 11. What was that gift that he was referring to? 
In Romans chapter 15, and verse number 25, we see, uh, well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let me mention to you this gift, first of all. This gift was a gift which he was bringing to uh, the Jerusalem church, the church of Jerusalem. Now, the church of Jerusalem is where the mother church was. We know that God's biblical pattern for the church, uh, and even for the missionary, is that, uh, that there is not to be one church that is the head, but God is to be the head, and that churches are to be starting other churches, and uh, that, that the work of the gospel is the ultimate goal. And so it's not just uh, the fulfilling of a congregation, but it's that the gospel would be brought to every part in every area. And so um, he desires to bring this gift, and it was uh, Paul who had organized a collection uh, throughout some of these younger churches, the ones which he had started. He'd organized a financial, an offering, should we say, a love offering, and uh, that he was going to bring to this mother church. Because all for the size that it was, they really were quite poor. They didn't have a lot. And so Paul uh, has this intent to bring this gift to them. Now all this has yet to take place. Romans chapter 15 tells us really the reason why he's writing to um, uh, the Romans. And in the midst of his writing, he says this, Romans 15 verse 25, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. Look at verse 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. Well, we know, first of all, that um, this his writing to the Romans obviously contains in its letter that which he desires to tell the church. But as he ends the book of Romans, uh, and nears his end, should we say, Romans chapter 15, he's really giving us that underlining uh, request. He has yet to go to Jerusalem, and he's asking that you would pray for me. Pray for me as I go to Jerusalem, because remember the last time, if you know the, the history, the last time that Paul was at Jerusalem, he had faced much persecution and, and arrests and all these things, and so he only expected the same sort of thing in going back. So he asked the church at, at Rome, pray for me. And so this is really much of his ultimate reason in writing, but uh, we also see that there is an underlining desire <laughs> that Paul has. I'm desiring to preach to you, and so it's, it's almost as though, though I can't be there in person, yet I'm going to write this letter to you to express to you some of the things that I desire to tell you. And so now we come to Romans chapter 1 in verse number 1, and we, we see his introduction similar to that of many of his other writings. Um, Romans 1 in verse number 1, the word of God says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And it's that end of verse 1 that I want to emphasize to you where the Bible speaks of the gospel of God. Because in everything that we find Paul uh, speaking of, specifically in chapter 1, but really all through his writings, it is concerning the gospel. And in very, the very first verse, he, he mentions that that which has separated him, uh, that which he has um, uh, placed barriers in his life is as a result of what the gospel has done uh, in his life. And so I, I want to bring to you some things uh, that Paul tells us uh, or tells the church about the gospel. He tells us concerning the gospel. And the first that he gives to us is the model for giving the gospel. The model for giving the gospel. He begins first by saying of himself and really of introduction to himself, he calls himself a servant. A servant. The word servant literally means a bondman 
or one who gives himself wholly to another's will. This is how he's describing himself. I am given to the exact and entire will of God. It's not my desire, it's God's desires for my life, and I desire to be nothing more than a bondservant, seeking to accomplish the will of God through my life. If that shouldn't cause us to back up and question to ourselves, are we a servant to God? A bondservant? In Galatians 6 and verse 17, the Word of God says, From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Uh, what he's saying here is that as a servant of Christ, all that he's gone through in his life is as a result of that servanthood. All that he has to say uh, for his life is as a result of his service to Christ. Um, what can you say of your service to Christ? Could you be, would you be found before God as a servant, willing to do whatever God would call you to do? Do you count it an honor to be a servant of God? He says, not only am I a servant, but I'm called by God. Who, what is he called to? The Word of God tells us he's called to be an apostle. Called to be an apostle. The word apostle literally means one who is sent. And we know of Paul being a missionary. And he saw himself as one who was sent by God. You know, truthfully, you may not be a called full-time missionary, but we are all called by God. Amen? We are all sent by God. And for what purpose? For the purpose of the gospel. Why are we to be a servant of God? For the purpose of the gospel. Paul says, I'm a servant. I'm called by God to be an apostle. And he says, I'm separated unto the gospel. That's separation. Separation from the world and unto God. All my lines of separation, Paul says, that I've drawn in my life are what the gospel has done in my life. I'm separated unto the gospel. I choose to be separated so that the gospel can be more clearly seen in my life. I choose to be separated so that nothing else of me would be seen but simply the gospel itself. I'm separated, he says, unto the gospel of God. Has the gospel separated you? The truth is, the Bible says we are that royal priesthood, we are a peculiar people that God has set us apart. He has called us, but are we choosing to remain separated? Really, we would use, uh, in a, and we'll see this in the book of Romans, but when we think of being sanctified in the eyes of God, that's, that's what we're talking about in that matter of separation. There is a difference between being sanctified and living the sanctified life. What I mean by that is, the moment that you become a Christian, the Bible tells us you are made clean, made pure in the eyes of God. You are sanctified. That's a doctrine, by the way, okay? You are sanctified in the eyes of God. But living the sanctified life is choosing. I'm now making, by action, the choice to live sanctified. Yes, in the eyes of God we are sanctified, but we have to choose to be sanctified. And how do we come to that point in life by separation. Separation. Uh, we are not separating uh, from anything other than sin. God does not say we separate from people. Sometimes uh, people develop, as they call it, convictions that say, I'm separating from this thing, and therefore they shut everyone and almost everything out except those who are uh, so good as they are. Uh, but the Word of God tells us that there are to be and there is to be a separation in the barriers. What draws those barriers? The gospel. 
If, 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 that, if who you are in Christ is not a result of the gospel in your life, then have you separated yourself unto the gospel? And by the way, we're not just talking about separation of, of things on this earth, but uh, separated to the point that I am so separated from in order and so that I can separate to share the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? I'm separating from my desires in order to share the gospel. The barriers which I place, the separation from these things is so that I can give the gospel and I'm separating unto so that I can even better yet give the gospel. In other words, I'm, I'm removing myself from the place of my own desires. And so Paul says, I'm a servant. I'm called by God and I'm separated. Uh, look at verse number two which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. So the gospel, the Bible tells us, was promised by the prophets. The gospel that is the good news of Christ. That's what he's referring to. It was promised afore by his prophets. And what does he say concerning this gospel? Verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. So the Bible tells us the ministry of the gospel is Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul uh, uh, preached, that the, the whole ministry which I have is that which God has done for me. And this is what he speaks in reference to of Jesus Christ, um, uh, of the seed of David, uh, the Son of God. According to the spirit of holiness, by the res resurrection of the dead, he's talking about Jesus Christ and all what Jesus Christ did upon the cross and how that he lives today in making the gospel possible. And so uh, why does he see himself as a servant called by God and separated because of what Jesus Christ had done for him? And Christian, that should be the ultimate reason of why. It's not just simply because uh, I'm expected to or because I think it's right to uh, live this way or do these things or serve in this way, but it's because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Amen. The end result of the reason why we do anything for God should be because of what Jesus has done for us. And so uh, we see that model for giving the gospel. We must be a servant in the eyes of God uh, and before God. We must be called by God and then separated unto God. And Paul's concern is for the believers at Rome. Uh, notice what he says concerning them in verse number 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you, uh, uh, for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Those words, your faith, I've underlined in my Bible because this is what he's admiring. He's thankful for them. Your testimony is well spoken of. Verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. We say, first of all, see, first of all, he's praying for them. Now, this isn't the first time Paul begins many of his letters by uh, saying he's praying for them, but they were in his prayers. Even though he has not met them, even though he did not start this ministry, yet he's praying for them. And, you know, you may not agree with all maybe the other churches in this area, uh, but it w would be a benefit to us to pray for others. Amen? 
that you may not believe uh, that or agree with all the exact lines in every area that's, that a person stands on, but you can pray for them. Uh, you can pray for them. And that God at, would maybe at least use them to be a giver of the gospel for his sake. And that it would, that though they may hold to a whole other doctrine, but that others would be brought to Christ through their work. And so, um, the Bible tells us in verse number 10, notice where he says, have a, the, my request is that by any means I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Uh, Paul has concluded in his mind that it is only if it's God's will that I come to you. And I've circled that in my Bible, by the will of God. I desire only to come to you if it would be God's will. Um, you know, that, that should be for any desire that we have in life. Ultimately, the question should, that we should be asking is, is it God's will? Is it what God would desire for me to do? And, and you know, when God's will is his desire for your life, you'll absolutely know without any, within, without any doubt. But if you have to work at it and pick at it and keep thinking on it and keep rolling over it, you can work to make anything happen. But is it the will of God? Is it the will of God? I used to tell teenagers all the time uh, when they would be considering college. And yes, you may find the most financially, uh, the most financial best option for you. You may find a college that's close where you're near to home. You may find one that offers the exact uh, maybe field of study that you think that you need to study. But ask yourself, is it the will of God? Is God's will within this? You say the same thing to an individual before they marry someone. Is, God, is this God's will? Is she God's will? Is he God's will for your life? And how does one know God's will? It's not some magical appearance of, uh, of you know, God just giving me some message. Uh, but it's the will of God of that peace which God settles within our heart and that continual leading of knowing this is the next step. This is the next step. And sometimes God opens doors of his will that as soon as we step in, he closes the door. And there's no further to go. Uh, but maybe it's his intent to see if we're willing to go, if that would be his will. Sometimes uh, we can confuse the will of God for simply our own desires. And that's why we must uh, understand when the word of God tells us, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee desires of thy heart, uh, that our desires will become God's desires when we simply place ourselves in God's perfect will for our life. Say, so now you're confusing me. Well, there's God's ultimate will, that is, uh, where he desires to lead us, God's directional will, should we say, but God's perfect will is that area of obedience. Now I'm living in such obedience to God of doing what I know God has commanded me to do, and I'm, I'm seeking to obey him and live for him and serve him as God has commanded me to do in his word, and, and God will lead the rest of the way if we remain in that point and state. And we can get in much more depth on these things, but Let's continue in uh, verse number 11. The Word of God says, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established, that this that I might be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Aren't you thankful to have a mutual faith with fellow Christians? Amen? It's encouraging to have missionaries and evangelists come 
and knowing that they believe and stand for the very same thing you do. Sure, we might differ on some small little things, but uh, to, to uh, have a mutual faith. I remember the day uh, that God led my wife and I here, and Caleb was still in the womb at that time, but my wife and I and Caleb in the womb here, and uh, we, we saw a church that was of mutual faith and uh, a church that agreed and stood for the very same things that we do and, and we said we desire to be a part of this church there's a mutual faith that's here we believe and stand for the same thing this is what he's speaking of that mutual faith and by the way God leads in all kinds of ways and if God ever uh, would lead you to any church don't leave this church I'm not telling you to but whatever God wherever God may lead you to be you be sure that it is a church that stands for the truth of God's word and I would hope and pray and desire for, for your sake as your pastor that it would be a church of mutual faith uh, as, as uh, in connection to what we are in the very same way. You know, we are not the only way, by the way, in Community Bible Church. Um, we, I was talking to somebody just today and how, about how that, um, uh, and they were saying how that Lutherans can be very um, uh, script, scripted and they're saying a lot of the same things and said you know what it's not just Lutherans it's uh, Baptists and, 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 uh, and, and all others <laughs> we, we all are guilty of that uh, we, we can sing two hymns to start with and two hymns in between and then uh, we sing one round of the invitation and then we're all going home and we're all done from six to seven you know it, uh, we can be very structured in, in everything that we do and everything's done the same exact way and the same people pray and the same people go forward and all, all the same things happen and uh, um, what am I saying in all this oh we're, we're not uh, we are not the only way of doing things there are other ways um, uh, but is it a church that stands for the truth of God's Word and that's uh, to, to have a mutual faith is of great importance. And so this is what uh, uh, this is what he's speaking of here in verse 12. Verse 13, he says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was led hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. And so he says, as, the, as he is, sees himself as the apostle to the Gentiles, he has an obligation to minister to Rome. And so as we've seen the model for giving the gospel, let's see now secondly the manner of giving the gospel. The manner of giving the gospel. In verse 14, he begins by saying, I am a debtor. He considers himself in debt to others because of the gift of the gospel. I owe something to you. Um, just the other day, I had somebody call me and uh, they said, um, can you help me in this way? I, I need to borrow some cash. I'm having trouble with my card. Uh, we can send you a check in the mail. I knew who they were. Okay, it wasn't just some random person. Uh, but they said, I'm having some trouble with my card. Can I, can, I, can I borrow some money? I wouldn't normally ask you this, but can I borrow something from you? And I will pay you back. There's an, in, there's an indebted, okay? So now I've, I've written it all down and I'm going to charge them a little extra. I'm kidding. But uh, uh, indebted, there's something that's owed. They saw something that now I owe to you, okay? And the indebted, uh, the, the indebted manner that we're talking about of giving the gospel is we seeing others as a debt which we owe to them. Just think about it for, for a moment. Here you walk into High V. And there's a man and a woman, they're walking by, pushing a grocery cart. You owe a debt to them. You walk in through the doors, and, and uh, there's an employee that walks right, but you owe a debt, a debt to that person too. 
You walk over to the meat section to order some meat, and that fellow you're talking to, some of the meat that you're going to order, you owe a debt to him just the same. When, when we talk about the manner of giving the gospel, it's we seeing ourselves as a debtor. I owe something. And in this case, I owe the gospel to you. I'm responsible with the gospel to you. And Paul, speaking of his ministry to the Gentiles, he says, I am a debtor. I owe it. I have nothing more to give but the gospel itself. And that is what I should be giving, is the gospel. Christians, we are to be debtors. We are indebted to the lost in need of Christ. May we see that our way of giving the gospel begins first by us seeing others and seeing the need of the gospel. You know, when we have people walk through these doors, it's my prayer that God would build His church. Amen? But not that people would just come and fill the pews and be a part of our church, but that they would be confident in the understanding and in, their, in the saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, knowing what it means to re truly receive the gospel, to be a born-again Christian. Now, that's my desire for their life. So when I see that individual, I'm going to do the best that I can to ask them, their testimony, if they even have one. Sometimes you ask and they say, yes, I can remember the day that I received Christ and this was the time and this was the person and this was the place and since that day I've, I've been living a changed life and God has, God has um, uh, turned my heart to, uh, to a whole different level of desires. And then other times, someone may give a testimony and, you, and by the time they're done saying it, they say, well, I went to this church and I was baptized here and I, uh, my parents were Christians or I've always been a Christian all my life. And you can tell by certain things that they're saying that you wonder, do they even know the gospel? So now I see as a pastor with that individual who's coming to church, I'm indebted to them. Could I say to you, Christian, I shouldn't just as a pastor, but we all should as God's people see ourselves as indebted to others until we know that they know the gospel. Amen? Amen? Now, I'm not the perfect model and example of this. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to tell you that, uh, that as that is my goal, my prayer is that is your goal just the same. Um, I, I, I've never understood, uh, I guess in some ways I do understand, but uh, many churches are, are really growing in attendance, and I see them growing in attendance, um, and some people who pass through these doors, and then they go elsewhere, or whatever, and, and uh, they can so easily join to a church, and me knowing all the while, did they even, did they even know Christ? Because I know they shared with me their testimony if they even know the Lord. And the next thing you know, they're leading the music in the church. Or they're teaching a Sunday school in the church. And they can hardly even give a testimony of their own salvation themselves. A clear biblical testimony is what I'm talking about. And so, uh, what is the point in all this? Uh, the point of a church, and this is what Paul is speaking in context of as a church. The point of a church is that we would see ourselves indebted to others with the gospel. That we would not just simply build a church of people but that we would build a body of believers through the work of God in our life. Amen? Because that is the church. It's a body of believers. It's not a body of people. But I say to you, and unfortunately, even in Norfolk, there are too many churches that are simply just bodies of people. Sure, there are probably some believers there, but there's a lot of bodies of people <laughs> that, that, are, that, are, that are there and present. Our goal of Community Bible Church should be the gospel. You know, this is why we do an outreach. That's not the only way to outreach, but this is why we offer an opportunity to go on outreach. Can I ask you, Christian, do you see yourself as indebted to 
the responsibility of the gospel. I know it's hot. I know when it gets cold. It sure is cold. But what opportunity we have. What opportunity we have for the gospel. You realize there are 9 to 10 Lutheran churches just here in Norfolk. Maybe even more than that. But somewhere around there, 9 to 10 Lutheran churches alone. Uh, the, as far as uh, Bible-believing churches, um, we, I personally believe we are one of, of just a couple. And honestly, as far as balance goes, I personally believe we are probably the most balanced in, in biblical stands that you're going to find in the Norfolk area. Which tells us, not that we're better than everyone else, which tells us that there's a need for a Bible-believing, gospel-centered, gospel-preaching church. And the preaching and the teaching doesn't start and stop with Pastor Miller. It should continue within the congregation. That we're seeing ourselves indebted to others with the gospel. And by the way, you can't give the gospel if you haven't first received the gospel. But boy, if you've received the gospel and you can't give the gospel... You need to ask the Lord to help you. You need to start memorizing some scripture. You need to practice it. Quite literally, you need to practice it. Uh, because uh, you, you may be introvert, extrovert. The point is not what kind of personality you have. The point is we've been commanded by God to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The point is that we've been left upon this earth that others can know and hear about the gospel. And this is what Paul says. I'm indebted. I owe it to them. Christian, we owe it to the city of Norfolk. To tell them about the gospel. That they would understand the, the meaning of the gospel. And what the Bible says concerning the gospel. The good news of Christ. That is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The Bible tells us that debt. The manner of giving the gospel is seeing that debt. Let me give you the last two things here. A duty. A duty. He says, I am ready to preach the gospel. Verse 15. I am ready to preach the gospel. He says, I am a debtor, but I am ready to preach the gospel. You see, Rome was the place that Paul would eventually be martyred. He would be killed for preaching, the, for preaching Christ itself. But Paul says, I'm ready. No matter what would, would come against me, I see it as a duty and a responsibility that's laid before me. And then we see that manner of denial where he says, I am not ashamed. And that's a wonderful verse. If you haven't marked verse 16, it should be marked. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That ashamed is not just saying um, that he's not ashamed to give it, but he, he's, he's not ashamed as in, I, I'm not seeing myself as, as um, any one group of people not needing it. All people need the gospel. I'm not ashamed. I'm unashamedly, I'm proudly, I'm, I'm uh, holding my head high, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the, uh, the high calling of God. I'm doing what God has called me to do. Uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Um, do you have a spirit for the Lord and the gospel of Christ that's unashamed? Again, we're, we're, sometimes this verse can be misunderstood. It's, it's not just talking about ashamed, like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm scared, I'm, I'm afraid, I, don't, I can't do it. We're talking about one that, is, is, that uh, is bold for the sake of Christ. I'm not ashamed. I'm so bold for Christ. I'm doing it because I love God. I'm doing it because of the gospel that has changed my life. I'm doing it because it's my duty. 
doing it because I owe a debt. It's, it's that I'm not ashamed manner, which we're talking about concerning the gospel. You know, um, the message tonight is, is not that we don't know the gospel. The application tonight in the message is that are we having and following God's model for giving the gospel? We are to be servants. We're called by God. We are to be separated. In that manner which Paul has in his giving of the gospel, he says, I am a debtor. I am ready to preach. No matter what comes my way, I'm ready to preach. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to be bold for the sake of Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as your people to be bold with the gospel. And I pray tonight as we would now step into